Welcome to Family Day. If you're wondering why several of us still have hats on and why the kids are in the auditorium, and if you came in late and saw some uh, beach balls bouncing around here and there, um, that's why. It's Family Day. We've got our kids in with us. Let me go ahead and put all the parents at ease. If your kid acts up, it's okay totally fine. If they start screaming in the middle, that's cool. It'll just be an illustration. We'll work it in somehow, okay? We're going to, we're going to engage them this morning and, and have some fun. And, uh, and, in, and eventually, if you're in elementary school, eventually you're going to get a chance to do two things. I, I'm going to need your help with two different things. One is a game. We're going to play a little game here in a minute. Uh, actually, we're going to involve the whole uh, auditorium in that game, but, but you can we might call a couple of you up here to be examples. But then also, I'm going to ask you uh, what something is, because I've got a feeling that there's no kid in this room under 12 that's going to know what the illustration is this morning. I feel pretty confident in that. If you have your uh, phone with you, or your tablet, or iPod, or I, uh, iPad, or iPhone or Android phone, you can find today's uh, message on your Uversion app. If you click live and search for vertical, um, you will find it today under the title of One Generation. And so if you want to follow along that way, all of the notes and uh, passages of Scripture are right there for you. Um, Last week, if you weren't here, you need to go online to the all-new verticalchurch.tv and watch... Watch last week because we're building on that over the next four weeks, this week and three more weeks. Uh, We're building on what's called Summer Remix. We said last week that God has given every church a, a vision or a calling, and it's the same for every group of people that would call themselves a church or a body of believers. They all have the same vision, and that's to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And what we said last week is that God gives us the freedom to put a remix on it. How we go about that that singular vision of God in Matthew chapter 28, he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptize them, teach them, disciple them. And so we said each church gets the opportunity to remix that, to put their own um, spin on that one vision from God. They get to express it in different cultures and in different ways. And we said that a Hispanic church should look very different than a church that's in the middle of Russia, unless it's in the middle of Russia with a bunch of Hispanic people. Then, you know, you might, you might get something that looks similar. But a church in China is going to look very different than a church in Brazil, which is going to look very different than a church in Chesapeake. And those are remixes of the vision. And so if you missed it, you need to go online and watch it. The gist coming out of that is we believe that we are called as a church, uh, we didn't say it this way last week, but we're going to say it this week, to be the change that we're all waiting for. We're all hoping for change. We're all waiting for something different to take place, and it's time for us to become that change. If you have your Bibles, you go ahead and open them to Judges chapter 2. We're going to read verses 6 through 10. I believe this... This passage in Judges um, accurately describes our current situation. And when we read it together, I I believe you're going to agree with me. Um, So if you're there, say amen. All right. 
Somebody, somebody's going, what? He is wearing a hat, kind of twisted sideways, and he just asked the congregation to say amen. You're lucky I don't ask you to stand. Stand for the reading of God's word. If you want to stand, you can feel free to do that if that's part of your tradition. Um, let's go ahead and jump into this. Acts, or Acts Judges chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. After Joshua, we talked about Joshua last week. God gave Joshua this, this great audacious faith to believe that God was the God of the impossible. And at the end of the book of Joshua, he says, every promise that God has ever made me has been fulfilled. Every single one. So after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. So everybody's faithful while Joshua is alive. And everybody's faithful while the people who were leading with Joshua are still alive. Verse 8 says that Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Herez in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Verse 10 is where we're going to land this morning. It's what we're going to build this whole day on. It's, it's what I believe encapsulates the very essence of where we are in, in church culture and in the world today. Verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now, I believe that verse, you could open your newspaper this morning. If you read the newspaper, if you access newspaper online, you could read that this morning. And I believe that verse could be the headline for any newspaper that you uh, open up or any magazine that you open up or any website that you go to to read about today's news. That there was this generation who knew the Lord... But they have all gone away, and now there's this generation who doesn't know God. And I believe that this morning we actually have members of that generation sitting with us in our seats. A generation that doesn't know the Lord. And who said the Bible isn't relevant? And you can read that and you're like, yeah, that, that's, yes. I'm living in that generation, a generation who doesn't know the Lord or what he has done. And you see, this begins the book of Judges. And in Judges, there's this cycle that just continually gets repeated where the people experience God and they encounter his presence and he does some miraculous thing for them. And then they continue, and eventually they drift and kind of fall away into sin and begin serving other gods. Then disaster strikes, and they cry out for mercy. And God shows them mercy. It's just this cycle that continues on and on and on throughout the entire book. And I believe that we are at a time of that forgetfulness. That people in our country and people in the, the, the cities that you work in and live in and people that you go to soccer practice with with your kids and people that you play soccer with or play t-ball with, they are part of a generation that has forgotten. 
part of a generation that does not know the Lord. So we're going to, we're going to figure out this morning how we can reach that generation. Because if it's true that we stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before us, the little ones that you have right now in the auditorium with you will one day be standing on your shoulders and will be leading a church that hopefully you attend or a church that others attend who is making a difference for God in their community. And if we hope to reach the five cities that surround us with a collective population of over a million people, odds are, unless God does the miraculous, that's not going to happen in our lifetime. So the little ones who are sitting in here right now coloring or drawing or playing on your phone, they're going to be tasked with the responsibility of seeing that vision happen. So why do we have days like this where we focus on nothing but kids? Because they're the only way that that vision's going to become a reality. It's the only way it's going to happen. Unless God does the miraculous, we're going to have to pass this thing on to somebody. And hopefully the people that are sitting with us who are not normally in the auditorium are the people that we're going to be passing it along to. So let's pray and, uh, and jump into this uh, scripture. Lord, we thank you, God, for this morning. We thank you, God, for your presence that we felt. We thank you, God, for our kids who are here with us, listening to us and watching us raise our hands and watching us sing about how you love us and how Jesus loves us. God, we pray that today we will, we will ignite something inside of our hearts that will compel us to pass the truth, to pass the faith, to pass the gospel on to the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I could get a couple of, actually, let's do three. I need three elementary students. All right, come on, Ethan. Come on up here. You can come right up here. I need two more. Two more. Who? All right, here we go. We got two. You stay in the back. Ryan, you, you lost out, man. You're next, though, if we have helpers or something. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Do you know what this is? Uh, damn. Oh, a tape. A tape. A videotape. Video he said a videotape. It's important. Do you know what this is? They all said a videotape. Now, if you are over the age of 25, you know what this is. Right? It's a cassette tape. Do you know that this is the way we used to listen to music? <laughs> She's like, yes. This is how we used to listen to music. And in fact, this is so like blowing your mind, I can tell. We'd have to take this, open the thing, put it in. Is that rock and roll music? No, it's not rock and roll music. It's blank. <laughs> And then, and then, we, it's not plugged up, so there's no sound going to come out. Then we had to push play, and if we wanted to go to the next song, we couldn't push a button to go to the next song. We had to stop, push fast forward, wait a few seconds, and guess. <laughs> then push play again. Oh, I'm not there. Fast forward. Play. Oh, I went too far. I'm already into the second verse. 
So you got to stop and rewind. It was crazy. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Exactly. Then we, be, then we got CDs. You know what a CD is, right? Yeah, a little disc. And then we got... You have Toby Mac? Word. Do you have an MP3 player like an iPod or something? My mom has an iPod. Your mom has an iPod? Zoom? Yeah. We used to have to... Look, that's like... This is my phone, okay? I have right now... Let's just see if I can... If I can guess, I have roughly 25 albums, which is probably what, 250, 300 songs on this. We used to put 10 songs on this thing, five on the front. Oh, no, 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 you're not even ready for this. You listen, you listen to five or six songs, then you had to stop it. Unless you had a lot of money, you got one that automatically reversed it for you. You had to take it out, turn it around put it back in there to listen to the rest of the album. It didn't just keep going. You had to actually stop, flip it, and play. So, exactly, exactly. It was Steve Jobs. He started the whole revolution. You know who Steve Jobs is? He's the guy that did all the Apple stuff. A guy a good job? He does have a good job. All right. Hey, give, it, give him a hand. You can have a tape, but it's completely useless to you. Go sit back down. Oh, we're done. When, when I was a kid, I had, I had several tapes. Some of these are mine. Some of these are Hope's. Um, Hope used to listen to this. Now, back in the day, this was a, uh, a worship leader. Uh, she played to huge uh, crowds called... Debbie Gibson. Remember Debbie Gibson? She has, a, she has a song on this album called Shake Your Love. That's a, that's a good, yeah, I remember worshiping to that. This was, a, this was actually a, a worship team, like a praise team called In Vogue. Remember In Vogue? It was good. Now, this is mine, and I'd, I just, I, I haven't listened to this in a long time. Okay? No, it's not Vanilla Ice. It's Coolio. Kids, he was also a worship pastor. He did songs like Gangsta's Paradise. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And, and this was like my groove music when I was in, in school. Keith Sweat. Remember Keith Sweat? Man, that was like, so let's say you had a Debbie Gibson tape. Now, not like today, because today you can, you can put that on your computer and burn another CD of it, right? Now, back in the day, if you had a Debbie Gibson tape, or let's say your friend had a Debbie Gibson tape, you had to practice the art, and it was an art, of dubbing. Okay, totally illegal, but you did it too, so don't act like... So what you would do is you would take your Debbie Gibson tape and you would put it in the first side. Then you would take a blank cassette out. And you would put it in the other side. Then you would 
play and record, and you had to let it go. It didn't go real fast. You had to listen to the whole tape, and it would record. But sometimes, sometimes you didn't have the original Debbie Gibson tape. Your buddy had a copy of the Debbie Gibson tape. And so you would take the copy, and you would put it in there, and then you would make a copy of the copy. Now, when you did it the first time, you had a little bit of extra noise, what's called like background hiss and a little bit of distortion, but you could still make out the music pretty good. Eventually, though, because, you know, sometimes you had a friend who didn't just have a copy, but they had a copy of a copy. And so now you're working on like, you know, third generation and, and one time we had, a, we had I think it was a, uh, like a Bon Jovi tape that nobody had the real tape. Um, we had a copy, and eventually it was like the fourth generation copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. I couldn't hear what Bon Jovi was saying. It was all background hiss. It was all distortion because when you're working with this kind of media, the more you duplicate generation after generation after generation, when it's just duplication and not the original, you lose the clarity of the sound. You see, what I think we are doing is we're just trying to duplicate kids who we just push record and play our life and get them to copy us, and they never grasp the original sound. They're just a copy. They're just a copy of a copy because somebody just copied you. And here's the truth about, about truth, that sometimes we get so far from the original sound that it gets completely distorted and you can barely make it out. Ronald Reagan had this quote I came across. He said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And I begin to think about that. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. You know what? Truth is never more than one generation away from from extinction. The gospel is never more than one generation away from extinction. If we don't pass this truth on to the next generation, it will disappear. Because you can't continue making copies of copies of copies because you get the noise all mixed up and there's background noise and baggage noise and hissing and all of the sorts of stuff going on. So we have to somehow figure out how we as parents and as church members and as people who love Jesus can pass the original. We got to get you to grasp the original sound, not my sound, not your sound, the original sound. We have to we have to pass that along because the truth is there are no second generation Christians. In other words, God doesn't have grandchildren. 
Let me, let me try to, try to if, if you are under the age of 12, would you raise your hand? All right, there we go. How many of you have grandparents that you, like, you know and see often? I didn't. I say that because I, I didn't. I, prom- I didn't have that growing up. So your grandparents are the parents of your mom and dad, right? You follow me? Does that make sense? Or your mom? Not, that would be really awkward. They're the parents of your mom and dad. So your grandparents are the parents of either your mom or your dad. Let's make that clear what we preach here at Vertical Church. <laughs> that, that was like one of those uh, Pixar jokes just for the adults. The kids are going, huh? So anyway, good. You should not know what I'm talking about. So the grandparents are the parents of either mom or dad, and then mom or dad are your parents. You are a second generation. But with, it, with God, we're all children. None of us are grandchildren. Hey, I know you're 12, and this might not catch for you right now, but you don't get a ticket to heaven just because mommy and daddy have a ticket to heaven. You don't get a free pass. You don't get a go according to your mom and dad's relationship with God. Exactly. Come on, Ethan, talk back to the preacher. You got to get a ticket on your own. And you know what? We could st- I could stand up here and we could, we could go through a bunch of stats about how bad our world is and how, how dark it is and how we need to wake up. But you already know. You know how bad it is. You know that it's not getting any better. That second nature things, things that one generation ago were second nature, values that one generation ago just seemed normal are now slipping into extinction. You already know this. You know that things that were once done in darkness when I was growing up are now done on primetime TV for everybody to see. You know this. You see this. You watch the same TV that I do. Because when one generation accepts the truth, oftentimes the next generation will assume the truth. And if that generation assumes the truth, the next generation will confuse the truth and eventually we lose the truth. So yes, the situation is dark. Yes, there is a generation out of control. Absolutely, Judges 2 verse 10 is full effect in our day and time. There is a generation growing up that does not know the Lord. But there are two things we have to do. I've got two things to share with you. Today's going to be real short because you got kids in here and, and they're already kind of bouncing off the wall. So not really. They're actually being really good. Good job. You are awesome. But I don't want to hold you up. You got barbecues to go to and maybe a family reunion, some cornhole to toss or horseshoe tournament to win. So two things, two things and we're going to be, we're going to be done. We're going to have a good time today. Because we're not called to condemn the world. Jesus makes that plain. He says, I did not come to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. We're not called to condemn the world. We're called to change the world for his glory. And so when we look at the generation and we say, they don't know, right, exactly, accepted. That is what is happening. We can't change it. We can't change what was. We can't change the past. We can't go back in time and make things different for today. We can ask questions like, how could this happen? How could they forget God? 
Is it an awareness problem? No, it's not an awareness problem. We have plenty of churches. I mean, this is, this era, this is still Bible Belt America. We got more churches than we do trees. It's not an awareness problem. The problem is we are missing a real experience with God. So I want to share two things if we are going to reach a generation far from God. Number one, they can't know him if we don't show them. Let me say, they can't know him if we don't show them. So they, they don't know the Lord. Right. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? Who's going to show them if not you? Who's going to show them the way of the Lord if it's not you? Let's, let's do this. Actually, Ryan, you are running down the, the way. Come on up here. Ryan, come on, dude. You're getting called out. You were wanting to volunteer a second ago. Let's play a game, actually. Who's going to show them if not you? Uh, let's get one more person. One more elementary student. Come on. You want to, you, come on, come on. She's saying, no, she's still, all right. All right, you just come up the sides here. Okay. Okay. One more, one more, one more, one more. No, you already went up here. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. McKenna, come on. You got to hurry, though. Somebody's roast is getting overcooked in their crock pot. I like crock pot food. Man, Crock-Pot, that's such a modern convenience. Not really, though. It's probably pretty old. Okay, here we go. Here we go. All right? You're going to be my examples. All right? We're going to play Simon Says. You ready? Now, you're going to play with us, though. And just because you're an adult doesn't mean you get to opt out of the game. Everybody's playing. Okay? Everybody's playing. Okay? You ready? You ready? Ready? Okay. Here we go. Um... Simon says, put your hand on your head. There we go. We need, all, we need total participation or this is not going to make any sense at all. Simon says, put your hand on your eye. There you go. Simon says to put your hand on your nose. Simon says to put your hand on your mouth. Simon says to put your hand on your head. Simon says to put your hand on your eye. Simon says to put your hand on your mouth. Simon says to put your hand on your ear. Simon says to put your hand on your head. Simon says, put your hand on your nose. Okay. Simon says, put your hand on your mouth. Simon says, put your hand on your ear. Simon says, put your hand on your shoulder. Put your hand on your other shoulder. I saw some of you. I saw some of you. Oh, you got called out. You got, go back there. Give it up for McKenna. Do you want to know why Simon Says works? Because people do what people see, not what people hear. Simon Says works as a game because people do what people see, not what they hear. Put your hand on your head, put your hand on your nose, put your hand on your mouth, put your hand on your nose, put your hand on your shoulder. I forgot my eye. People do what they see. How are they going to know if we don't show them? 
But I tell them all the time. We talk about the Lord all the time. We, we, have, we have Bible studies about the Lord. And, and, and we, we all, no, 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 no. You can talk about him all you want, but if you're not showing them, they're never going to know. We are called to reflect him, to represent him, to be like him, to preach them with our lives. How are they going to know that God is a God of compassion if we constantly fight and hold grudges with each other? We can teach them all day, God is a God of compassion. Now, I hate that person. I've got a grudge against them. I'm going to fight with my wife all day, but God is a God of compassion. People do what people see. How are they going to know? How, how are our elementary students going to know that they are important to God and they are important to the church if we have to continually beg for people to, to volunteer to minister and teach them? People do what people see. How are they going to know that God is a God of forgiveness if we talk about how much we hate our in-laws whenever they get ready to come in? How are they going to know that God is a God of acceptance if we don't accept others? How are they going to know that God is provider if they never see us trust him with our resources? How are they going to know that God is faithful if we never take steps of faith? How are they going to know, and I'm preaching to the choir here because you're here on July 3rd. How are they going to know that God is worthy if we only make it to church one out of every six weeks when it doesn't conflict with our schedule? How are they going to know? How are they going to know? I know, I know it's not popular. I know I'm not getting a lot of amens. It's all right. But man, I'm thankful for the, for the people in my life who showed me what it meant to love God. I think back to one of my first pastors. His name was Mike Hartwell. I watched him as his wife was dying with cancer, carry her into the house after a treatment or after uh, some, some chemotherapy. And he would, he would care for her and he would love her. And in those moments, he was showing me what the love of God looked like. I'm incredibly thankful for people in my life that have done that. I'm thankful for a lady named Dawn Bias who taught my Sunday school class. And because of her, I actually know Bible stories. Like, I know who Gideon was. I know who David was. I can tell you the story, not because I have some great knowledge, but because Dawn took time out of her schedule to teach me every week. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for people like my mom, who not only being my mom, but also taught a Sunday school class that I graduated from. But people like my mom who said, get up, you're going to church. Kick me out of bed, drag my nasty hair, not bathed in a weak teenage body or, or pre-adolescent self out of bed and made me go to church. I didn't have an option. And some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't want to force my, my values and beliefs. I want them to discover for themselves. I don't want to be an overbearing kind of stuff. And, and sometimes I had a buddy of mine tried to take that, that approach with his mom. We were at his house and, and she was telling him, you know, he needed to do something. And, and he was saying it half jokingly, but she didn't take it as a joke. He said, you know, mom, don't, don't be trying to force your beliefs on me. And she goes, 
Really? Well, then I won't, I won't force the food out of my refrigerator on you. And I won't force the bed that's in your room on you. And I won't force the clothes that I buy that go on your back on you. If you don't want to inherit my values, you don't have to inherit my food. You say, that's, that's mean. No, it's called leadership. It's not mean. God has entrusted them to you. Lead them. Tell them. And you see here, now see, I got a lot of class. Hey man, wait, you tell them, obey the rules. But it's not about rules. You're like, yeah, sock it to them, Pastor Josh. Tell them they need to obey the rules of the house. It's not about rules because rules without revelation always leads to rebellion. So number two, the second thing. Number one, if it, they can't know him if we don't show them. Number two, they don't need rules to live by. They need a calling to live for. You see, so many times we as church are known for what we are against instead of what we are for. I don't want to go to a church that's known for what it's against because I want to be known personally by what I'm for. I'm for you experiencing God in your life. I am for your marriage being healthy. I am for God encountering you right where you're at in your mess and helping you clean it up. I am for that. I mean, I believe in rules. We have rules in our house. A kid break the rules, I rip off my belt and wrap it around his bottom. To a four-year-old, absolutely, he doesn't understand anything else. Y'all, I'm going to cut that part out of the video. Somebody going to be showing up. Somebody going to show up at our house. We hear you uh, discipline your kids. That's right, I'm their parent. Anyway, I think back to, to people who had an impact on my life, not just because they were showing me who God was, but because they were pulling out of me calling and vision and dreams. I think of people like that pastor's wife, Donna. She was one of my first youth leaders. And I remember a conversation with her on the steps of the church where I was acting up and I was acting like a fool inside. And she pulled me out and she said, you're better than that. You're better than that. God's got bigger plans for you than acting like that. You need to straighten up. And she, she wasn't trying to tell me rules and regulations. She said, you got a calling to live for. And I'm thankful for people who spoke into my life and said, you're better than that. You don't have to live that life. And they would see me goofing off or doing something stupid. And it was stupid, and I know it was. And they would... They would stop and take time to speak into my life. Calling and destiny. And let me encourage you, speak into your kids' lives. Calling and destiny. When they mess up, let them know, hey, you messed up and you're better than that. I believe in you. I've got faith in you. You can, you can do the right thing even when the right thing is hard. And when they do it, brag on them. See, there you go. That's inside of you. You know, what kept me following Jesus through my teenage years and in my college years was not, was not rules and regulations. It was a sense of calling. It was a sense of Jesus. I don't want you to take your hand off my life. 
So yeah, it's dark out there. No doubt about it. It is absolutely dark out there. But here's the hope that we have. We may be one generation away from losing the gospel. But if that's true, we're also only one generation from changing the world for the glory of God. We, we are alive at the greatest time in human history to see the gospel advance, to see the gospel go into places that it's never been. We are at a time in human history that is that it, you could not ask for a more, more resources to be available at your fingertips. And you couldn't ask for more uh, more ways to, to in, engage your coworkers or engage your neighbors. You couldn't ask for a better situation. And so we might be one generation away from losing the gospel if we fail our task of passing the faith to the next generation. The gospel will disappear. But if we do it, and we do it well, then we'll change the world for the glory of God. You see, I'm not saying this just as a pastor. This isn't just a pastor telling you we got to focus on kids because kids are our future and kids are the. I'm a parent. And I get this. I get this. This isn't just, this isn't just preacher speak. It's not, just, it's not just we need more workers in the kids' ministry, so let's have a day about kids and try to make people feel real guilty so they'll volunteer. You know what? I hope you do volunteer. You need to. You need to volunteer. But we get this. We get this. You know what? I, I'm trying to live this. Brian, he's, he's trying to live this. This isn't, this isn't a game. To us, I, I want him and him. These are my kids. They can chime in on their own. <laughs> but they have to, their, their kids have to take second because I want these, these boys to be the greatest men of God in their generation. Right. And whatever that looks like, I want God to use them to push back the gates of hell. I want God to to use them and anoint them to to declare war on the enemy, man. I mean, I want, dude, I get what you're doing because I'm trying to do it too. And so I had the privilege last Sunday of baptizing. I'm gonna get emotional now, and I didn't last week. Isn't that crazy? Um, You know, I had I had parents who, thankfully did exactly what Josh's mom did to him. Um, we, we were always in church. Um, the, the church was the center of our life. And because of that, the people to whom I was exposed were people of faith, people of God. This past Wednesday, a lady named Christina Callenbach died. She was 89 years old. She was my fifth grade Sunday school teacher. And in that year that I was with her, in fifth grade, I learned 167 Bible verses. I won the award. 
167 Bible verses, and you know what? I still remember them. Imagine the impact if in a 12-month time period, your kids are learning from you, from their teachers here on Sunday morning, from other people. 167 ways that they can connect with God and connect with other people. What a difference we can make in the world. And this, this isn't our future. This is where we are. This is where we are. So what, you can clap. What we want to do right now is if you work with our kids, if you work in the nursery.